Y'all, this is Aisha from Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. We are back again to discuss Never Have I Ever on Netflix, episode seven and eight. Episode seven is titled Never Have I Ever Been a Big Fat Liar. So what do you think about Davy's Unabomber look in the beginning of this episode? Oh my God, it was so good. She was trying to avoid being seen because she... The fallout of the last episode was that Paxton knew about her making up the lies about them having sex together. So it was so fun. And then big realization that she had is like no one even cared. But that whole intro scene was very fun, especially that we got John McEnroe back as the narrator. So Oh yes. All John is back. Well, it's so funny. I was like scrolling through, you know, scrolling through the internet and that her picture of her wearing that whole the sunglasses and the hoodie and you know trying to be quote unquote invisible that did not work is like it's like the the picture of the episode for the recaps that are on the internet so it's kind of funny that like that's the one shot that they decided to pick up on because it's so hilarious yeah she is a she's a mess (laughs) (laughs) yeah she is so what did you think about that, though? Because it was it was kind of a revelation in terms of I thought, as well as Debbie thought, that Paxton was going to out her. So what did you think about him actually not telling anyone about the fact that she made up that lie? Another reason why I feel like Paxton is another notch for him for being a good guy, right? We've been saying this whole time, wow, he's been blowing us away. He keeps showing us in these ways that he's not your typical jock that's going to just want to get you know, get laid and tell everybody about it, get drunk and go to parties and do all this stuff. He's, he's showing a different side of him. That's another reason why I think the viewers are really starting to like him a whole lot more because of this latest revelation. He's keeping it all quiet. He's becoming just more of the ideal person that makes us realize why Debbie would kind of like him. But I don't even think that she knew that he had so many sides to him and was this caring in some ways and not the typical jock i think he's becoming more well-rounded definitely i guess more like i would say like more more like the female role that we would think would happen so it's kind of like flipped yes debbie is definitely the one that's been making all the bad choices and (laughs) is typically yeah the the guy who's the dick you know (laughs) right exactly she's the dick yeah she's the dick or should we just keep it a gender we'll be like she's the vagina right exactly whatever you want to call she she is the she is that one that's like one of the main things about the show that i love is like you know she's the one that's kind of has all the bad characteristics in some ways it just keeps showing You know, during this episode, I guess the biggest theme that we come across is this whole friendship and the fail that is her friendships in her life. I mean, for Davey and all of the people surrounding her. Paxton doesn't seem to be, he's not the one that we're worried about here. He's on the periphery. So we're putting him in the backseat for a little while and we're going to focus a little bit more on how Davey really is navigating her fuck ups with her friends, her two closest best friends, and, and that's Eleanor and Fabiola. 
this one she had to deal with the fallout of of her being a shitty friend because the right. last episode had my favorite line of i have the bigger shit basically right. fuck off guys like i can't deal with your stuff even though they're supposed to be supposedly best friends and debbie was acting really selfish i'm glad that fabiola and eleanor are kind of putting her in the friend doghouse because she deserves it i think debbie realizes she's in you know in kind of friend purgatory right and still her motivation at this point is to make it up to them but because she's feeling lonely and so it's still be acting out of selfishness and she's not really she's saying the words to make them feel better but it's not necessarily coming from a genuine place so she's still being shitty so how did you feel about you know her intentions i feel like she was like yeah i'm gonna just like let me pat myself on the back because i'm gonna invite them over to the sleepover and i'm gonna do all this stuff and i'm gonna try and dig myself out of this hole and win my friends back into my good graces but really just for the wrong reasons, not because she feels specifically bad for doing it. She is actually threatened because they went and found another friend, this guy named Jonah, that kind of quote unquote replaced her. And that was enough to spur her to be like, look, I got to do something. I can't lose my spot in this friend group. So that kind of was like, uh, you're you're a little shady she felt threatened by jonah and then she was like i want to be the head friend you know Mm -hmm, exactly she's a very alpha and she she was not having any of that and so she wanted to reclaim her status as friend because of the whole fallout with paxton throughout these two episodes i would say is it's just not debbie still is not facing I, i feel like she's just still being a shitty friend because she still feels like everything is about her and that like all her problems are still the most important right and so like if you were a true friend let's say you were in this position you decided okay i'm gonna do something nice for my friend eleanor i know she's having these problems with her mom the right thing would not be to approach her mom willy-nilly and just decide insert yourself into that whole situation and say i think you should come talk to her and i think you should do all this stuff and insert yourself in their family business i don't know if i would have felt comfortable enough with my friends as a teenager to do that would you i mean that's serious i would i think that's off limits unless you're very close like i think i associate that with friends that i've known that have really close relationships with like their families and they're able to really talk to the parents in a way that you talk to like you feel close to them and i i've been close to friends but not close to parents enough to go and do that especially you know in this case debbie is going to a absentee mother of eleanor where you know she doesn't even know the full story right so like to me, it was just another oh, another thing Debbie's trying to do so she can be the hero and not really give a shit about what Eleanor was feeling. Because right. if I was, if she was a better friend, I feel like she would have been, hey Eleanor, like what can I do to help? You know, like really asking Eleanor mm-hmm. what she needs, not thinking like I'm going to devise this plan so they can love me back again Mm -hmm, which is exactly typical debbie i would definitely not do that in real life would you (laughs) that's the thing is like i think as i was watching this show this episode i was getting more and more angry at her and i was like you are i know i said reckless and we said impulsive in the last podcast but it is like tenfold on this one because she just keeps doing stuff over and over and over and it just made me like cringe and i was like and i was just getting i was starting to get really angry and i was like quit you are messing with people's lives here and you just don't even know i mean and then the mother goes out and does all the you know starts spewing all the crap that she wasn't supposed to say but you know what if you had realized who you were dealing with 
then you might not have said all those things because you would have already known that this is not really a woman that you can trust to tell your secrets to. So I felt like that was a bit of just, that just made me so angry. Yeah. But do you think it's coming from more of the angle from Debbie's point of view is that she just wants to involve herself in, in this so she can also distract from the fact that she's been a shitty friend and also that she hasn't dealt with those unresolved issues like with her dad and, mm -hmm. and all that. So do you think it's just something else that she's distracting herself with is trying to meddle and, and get her friends back again? Absolutely. I think she is. She's trying to create all sorts of distractions. And whether it's, you know, that or it's uh, lying to her mother or talking with Paxton or like any of the stuff that she's doing, it's just distractions to cover up the real source of the problem which is her great yeah I, it's so funny though because it feels like this is just a like a sitcom setup where you knew things were going to hit the fan and, and they did <laughs> oh oh let's talk about this what about this she not only pushes her friends away she pushes um her therapist away i know we're jumping around we're jumping around to this to the eighth episode i think with these two episodes cat i want to like mesh them together and we can talk about them kind of seamlessly because they kind it's a kind of a continuation honestly the two episodes they really fit well together so i'm just going to kind of jump from seven to eight if you don't mind this friendship theme carries into the eighth episode and so she is so deep in her own bullshit, and we'll get to the reasons why on that but that she also pushes away her therapist. And that's when I knew, okay, we've got a serious problem and it is not just her being a dick and trying to cover things up, but that it really is stemming from something greater and it's that deep down hurt and grief. It's that, ther that therapy session really touched on the stuff that I was speaking on in, the, in our previous episodes is the fact that Debbie has this unresolved grief with her father and the fact that she was so into, you know, cringingly so into having sex with Paxton is because Niecy Nash's therapist basically nails it and tells her the truth. You're doing all these things, pushing away people. You're trying to get involved with this boy because you don't want to deal with the death of your father. And Debbie was not going to have it. She was like, screw this. I, uh, I don't need you. You're just like everybody else. It's against me. I've done nothing wrong. She's always the, like, she, you know, she seems like she, it's the world is against Debbie. I understand that she's coming from a place that's very, you know, she's hurt. Like she says to her friends, my dad died, you know, when it, when it comes to a head later on in episode eight with the party, it's, it's that thing where your problem seems so big. Um, and I know we've probably done it in our own lives where you can't see anybody else's issues either. Like, yeah, your dad died and that really sucks. And of course your friends are going to have sympathy for you and be there for you, but everyone has their own shit and it's just as big, whatever that shit is to them too. And so I feel like in that sense, Debbie is an asshole because she can't see past it, but it's also like her therapist said you haven't dealt with it and it's going to, if you deal with it, it's going to make you feel better. And so she hasn't dealt with it. And this is what we're seeing. And that's why she's such an asshole in these two episodes is because she's just fighting it like a baby trying to fight the sleep, going to sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's a good, good analogy. It's so funny because if you really put them all on paper, right? I mean, it's like, you look at Debbie and you say, okay, you've lost a parent. That's humongous. It's huge for a teenager. It's huge for anybody at any age to lose a parent. 
you've got Fabiola. She's dealing with her sexuality and wanting to come out with her par- to her parents and not knowing how. And that's a huge deal to deal with. And you've got Eleanor who's struggling with abandonment issues and trying to trust her mother again. They're all significant issues. Who's to say what's bigger, you know? But the fact is, is when somebody tells you my issue is bigger, my I have bigger shit than you, that hurts. Period. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't make it any less hurtful that Debbie's dad is, you know, uh, dead and she's not dealing with it. But I will say that Fabiola's and Eleanor's problems are in the present, unfortunately, like mm. in the sense, in the sense, that's of a good point. They're very real and they're dealing with it then. And yes, of course, like it sucks. And every day I'm sure Debbie is hurting for her dad and it's present to her, like her grief. But from Fabiola and Eleanor's point of view, like their shit is happening right now. That's and true. Fabiola revealed to Debbie that, you know, she was gay and because there, she was still like in that moment, like, oh, I have all this stuff, you know? Right. And they're like, no, actually we do. And I was like, yeah, like their stuff is more important. Like, didn't you feel that way too? Because it just felt like Debbie is just being such an asshole because she can't deal with her own shit. But like their problems are so much greater in the moment. And so it just felt very like lopsided in what Debbie's thinking is bigger because in that moment their friends were bigger, you know? And it's crazy to you that like she didn't actually come clean until after Eleanor's mom like spills all that tea at the PTA big sale thing. She didn't actually come clean to her friends about the whole Paxton thing until then, which I thought, oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah, she she kept the lie going. So right. um, still with her best friends. If you were Fabiola and Eleanor, like, how would you feel in this moment? Like, Debbie has already kind of been an asshole to you, you know, has still lied to you about the truth. Would you have given her a second chance? You know, it's funny. Um, Later on in the episode, we see them as little girls. And we see like a flashback of how they, they were, they've been friends for, you know, so many years, probably 10, 15 years or something like that. Well, not 15, there's only 16, right? So about maybe 10 years. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, for a lifelong friend like that, I probably would give her another chance. I give her the benefit of the doubt. But boy, as an adult watching that, I was thinking to myself, girl, if you don't get out of my face, I would be so mad. I felt the same way because I think I took a lot of shit from friends <laughs> um, when you're when you're growing up, and I probably gave a lot of shit too. You know, I'm not right. I wasn't I wasn't an angel, but um, I think seeing it now as an adult and after you've gone through those situations, and you're like, it, to me, it seems very cut and dry. Like, oh, like if someone did that to me, I'd be like, okay, I think I'm good. I'm probably better off without your friendship. But when you're a teenager, you do give people a lot of chances, and so I think. Fabiola and Eleanor it's very their friendship is just it runs very deep right now like they've known each other since they were little girls so yeah and they know that her dad has died so they're I think they're giving her and this might be like since we haven't seen any previous you know like the years of their friendship right. this is something where maybe it's it's one of the few times that Debbie has like fucked up really badly so they're like willing to extend an olive branch even though she's like messed up really bad well, and I, I got to give it to them, though. They were the ones that said, we need to take a, a, a friend break. So they didn't even say, like, we're done with you. We're not friends with you. They said, we're going to take a break. And we just need you to understand what you're missing when we're gone. And I love that. Yeah, I love that, too. I thought, you know what? You guys are amazing. Those are good friends. She should not be 
pushing them off to the side. Those are the ones you want by you. But I thought that was cool that they were like, look, we're just going to take a break from you so you know what you did. But we're not going to leave. Yeah, and I think that's very obviously that's coming from the writing and people and adults who are writing the show. And I feel like it was such a clever way to put that in a teen show is like just about the knowledge that we talked about right now of like knowing you deserve better. Mm-hmm. But it would also be nice for um, teenagers to learn that early on is like it's okay if someone messes up, but you can show them that that's not the way you want to be treated instead of it letting it go down, you know, a very dark path, and then you just like hate each other and never want to be friends. It was really cool that teenagers are going to be able to see that. And also adults, we need that too. Like I was like, Oh, right. I want to I want to use that like in case any of my friendships go a little bad, like I need Take a, friend a break, break, right? So you can see how awesome I am. <laughs> exactly. Well, and okay, do you think that Fabiola is really going to forgive her though? Because after that scene at the pool party at Ben's house, her like accidentally knocking over that punch under a white suit and causing her to come out in front of the entire party. Do you think that we're going to be, she's going to be able to forgive her after that? Cause I was like, Ooh, you pushing it girl. Well, if you think about it though, a good byproduct of what happened by that whole confrontation is Fabiola said, I never get this way. I never, um, mm, yeah. I forgot, I forgot what her term pop was. Pop off. She, she says, I never yeah. pop off. Yeah. So she said, I never pop off. So if, if Debbie wasn't an asshole and she didn't like just pop off on her, she would have never told the whole school that she was gay and Eve wouldn't have noticed. I mean, That's true. Wouldn't have been like, oh, uh, Fabiola is gay, which is probably what she wanted. So in that sense, it did kind of spur on that whole moment, which might have not happened. Fabiola may have never said anything till later on. Unfortunately for Debbie, like that was the moment, you know, that Fabiola is like, oh, like I, I can't deal with you right now. But it did kind of help Fabiola. So I feel like she's going to be have mixed feelings on that whole thing. Like that that's what caused her. Well, to that's kind of... that's true. That that is a way to look at it, because she may just be like, you know what? I got a, a date out of this. And the girl that I've been interested in is interested in me. And I'm willing to, like, forgive because it all kind of worked out in the end. Maybe. Let's see. We don't know yet. <laughs> Yeah, we still have two episodes, so we'll see how it goes. She can still be bitter, okay? <laughs> yeah. What did you think about uh, the whole... I think it's it's very true to real life, girls choosing the guy or the crush over your friends. Okay, you want me... I will answer you as the adult Aisha and then the teen Aisha. <laughs> the adult Aisha was cringing so hard because I just am dying over the fact that she is just seeking this male attention and turning her back on the people who really have had her back the whole time. So that really bothered me. The teen Aisha would kind of see where she's going because sometimes you just have those crushes that are so all encompassing. They just take over. There's a reason why they say that your head's in the clouds when you're in love and you've got these feelings and you you, you don't know how to process them. I understand that feeling because, you know, we were in that situation when we were in we were teens. When you got those googly eyes for somebody, you just don't know how to just how to navigate yourself in the world. I guess as teen Aisha, I would see how that could happen, but I don't think that it would have been right. What about you? teen cat would have been <laughs> would have probably been 
would have been right with Debbie um, <laughs> and would have probably been like, I can do both. Um, oh, okay. You've done both. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, or been Try. Like, oh, my, my friend should understand like, this is my chance, you know? Right. But the thing is though, I think, um, I'm not sure if at that point they did know about her lies. So they knew, but she made, it's just that she, she was just putting this facade on like, Oh, I don't care about Paxton. I love you guys. And if it hadn't just been so recent, that would have been like very sucky. Cause I feel like, yeah, she just put in all that work. What was that work for? To just like go right to the trash. But I will say though, when you're on the receiving end of someone um, choosing the guy over you, which I have been, and I'm sure I did it to, you know, friends as well. But like, it sucks because I've seen how girls and also I'm sure, I don't know if this happens with guys, but it just becomes so encompassing and you just forget about the world around you. And if you're, if you're the friend that's being left out or whatever, and your friend is choosing the significant other they're crushing on, it sucks so bad. And that feeling is just as strong as having googly eyes for someone. So you remember how that person like left you at the old, you know, like Mm -hmm. left you crying over your mom and you're not going to care like about, you know, the fact that, hey, this was my chance to get with this guy. Like, you're going to be like, well, fuck that. Like, what about me? I've been here longer than he has. Mm -hmm. Those feelings of being hurt by a friend are very strong and and they last. Like, they sting. It's so funny to tell you this story. Since we're in this whole, like, pandemic time and we've been, friends have been, like, doing this whole Zoom thing where we're Zoom conferencing and Zoom happy hour and Zoom game nights and all this stuff. I've gotten back with a bunch of my college friends. Like we've had this weekly Zoom meeting. And I mean, these are friends that I've had, you know, since college and we are pretty tight and we just haven't talked in a long time. And so we were talking about this and I met my husband in college. So it's kind of funny how to hear what they were saying about me back in college because they were like, oh, you totally left us all the time because you were always with him. And I was like, wait, what? And I'm thinking, I don't even remember this, right? And I'm a person who is very observant about people's feelings and not wanting to hurt people's feelings. And so when I, when they told me that I was the type of person that was like, oh, well, you are never around. Oh, you didn't come to Mexico with us. You were with him. Oh, you didn't come to the mall with us. You were with him. I was like, oh my gosh, I was that person. That's so funny because I was kind of the opposite because I, I was always kind of like third wheel with friends that who had like boyfriends. Oh, and, stuff. No. and so I always felt like I was the one that got like left behind. It, it was, it would hurt. And I remember when I got with my now husband, I feel like I made sure that I would keep my friendships and, you know, like, hey, I'm going to go do this with my friend. And I feel like sometimes I may maybe overdo it because, like, I plan a lot of stuff without without him. But I feel like it's because of those experiences that I had in, in college and, and stuff and always being the third one. And See, it shapes you, right? Yeah. And being ditched is very, like, a real feeling. It's very real. It sucks. And I think I try and make a conscious choice. I think when you're married, it's different because you have a little bit more freedom to you can prioritize your friends Mm -hmm. because, you know, like you're solid. At least, you know, you hope to be. Right. Exactly. Um, I am sure it's not like all that. Like (laughs) There's a marriage on the rocks or whatever. That's the idea. When you have when it's just like a boyfriend or crush, it just seems like you've got to be there or else it's going to end. You know, it's 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 tough. I guess it's all it all boils down to insecurity. Right. You're just not wanting to like lose it. Yeah. Like what you said, that's all it is. Is like, Oh gosh, hopefully it doesn't end because I'm not going to go to the movies with you, you know, or jump over to your house on a whim. That was the first inkling of where Debbie wasn't trying to push Paxton um, to her side. She had kind of given up thought that, you know, there wasn't much hope there. And then Paxton texts her out of the blue. So what did you think about him 
asking her for help and with her with the sister and did you think then like he had something for her or like how did you feel about that whole situation I thought that he was definitely surprising when he called her about that or when you know when he, she showed up and he told her what it was about I think because she had had that inter- encounter with his sister and maybe he'd been so probably not let a lot of people he knew and his you know peer group or age be around her because of just protection and stuff like that. I think he just felt like, well, they had a connection. If there was one person he could call, it was going to be her. So that was a very interesting change, I think. And I was definitely intrigued why he did choose her. In that whole Unibomber scene at the beginning of uh, Seven, she realizes, oh, Paxton didn't tell anybody because basically he didn't care enough to do that. And then he saw he she saw him with another girl. And so she thought that was like, OK, he just doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And so when he pulled that thing with the sister, it made her feel like, oh, maybe I do have some sort of chance or at least like the friendship part. Oof, but like when you give Debbie like a, an inch, she takes a mile. Right. So I was like, Paxton, oh, what are you doing? Well, it's like a little bit of push and pull and push and pull and push and pull. He's a little bit of a tease, right? And so she doesn't know what to do with it, but she's just going along for the ride. So that's like right up her alley, I think, with her craziness. Mm -hmm. Although, did you notice when Paxton was watching the photos and like when she was doing the model shoot, he would kind of look at the photos and you could, that's when I think the little sparks are starting to fly in terms. And he was like, oh, she's just not this like nerdy girl or I don't, well, we really don't, we haven't seen his perspective, like from his vantage point of what he really thinks of Debbie just what the little bits and pieces we've seen from her end this is the first time we actually saw him I don't I don't know have like a reaction to her different than just from her point of view which was which was cute he was definitely feeling her in a very slight way during that photo shoot it was obvious the way he was looking at those pictures so that was our like little hint that something was unfolding we don't know what it was but it just might be you know yeah, he's definitely a, a curious character. I mean, we're, the more we talk about him, I th- I swear to you, when we first started this, I think we were both like, why would we get this thirty year old that's playing the sixteen year old? I mean, even though he's very he's very attractive and the whole thing, we just I think we both were cringing at the fact that she was just trying to what she was trying to do, right, and what he represented. So. Mm-hmm. To have it flipped on us and to be like, this guy's actually pretty decent, actually very sweet and might actually be into her. So it's kind of interesting to see. I bet you next next episode, since we have not watched the last two, right? There's two yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Since we have not watched nine and ten, I wonder if nine is going to be uh, more un- surrounded by him. Like his, he's going to narrate it. I really hope so because I know we've been talking about when when there when there will be a more in-depth Paxton episode and I hope just the fact that they end up Paxton kisses her at the end of 8 mm-hmm. like 9 has to kind of revolve around that um in some ways at least on Debbie's end so I really hope we get some more backstory or just some more insight to how he really feels about her Debbie has done kind of a lot of things to push people away and it's weird that he saw the fallout with the with the with the friends mm-hmm. with Fabiola at the party where Fabiola basically was like, You care about Paxton more than you care about us and Paxton was there to see that. The fact that she's acted shitty, making up the lie about him. But then he still kind of feels for her, I guess. He helps her out of the pool. He drives yeah. her home. I mean, he's he's got feelings for her. I think he 
did not expect them and they just kind of keep popping up when he reaches yeah. over and kisses her in the car i was like oh my gosh like yeah and it wasn't like you know you could be like oh he's just trying to get in her pants no he could have already gotten in her pants because that's what she wanted from day one yeah so this is definitely more genuine it's genuine totally he seems like on the surface type when you see him with those other girls that he's just doing it because that's kind of what his role is like he's the hot jock he's got to put it on yeah yeah and i feel like with debbie he kind of has let his guard down and i feel like maybe that's just really surprising to him that he likes this like kind of weird girl who like offered to have sex with him and then like has kind of been in, in and out of his life for the past few weeks in a weird way and made up a lie about him and then I don't know. I think they both seen each other in a vulnerable position. Maybe he realizes like there's more to it than that. Especially, I think that he kind of also realizes about the, the death of her dad, and maybe that there's more to Debbie's actions. And I think yeah. he's may, may, might be the, one of the only ones. What might be the one of the only one to really understand understand that because he hasn't been on the. Well, he has been on the receiving end of being hurt by her, so mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting that he's looking past that, which means. He, he does have feelings, because, yeah. Yeah, because you look past those kind of shitty things right. when you like somebody. Well, let's talk about the potential love triangle that seems to be developing here. And that's with good old Ben. It's Ben's birthday, and since we've been talking about this party, it's his 60th birthday, and his poor parents have left him on his freaking birthday, which is terrible. Have you ever been left on your birthday? Uh, I don't. <laughs> not not growing up, no. Not growing up, me neither. I probably would have wanted to be left with 16 birthday. Uh, that would be amazing, but, yes. But but they were there, so right? uh, yes. No, I have not either. <laughs> I mean, as a teenager, I guess, especially for a young girl, that would be a little bit more like dramatic and terrible to be left on your birthday. Um, but for him, he just really takes it in stride. And I just want to give him a big hug because I feel so bad for him that he's just got shitty parents. But... He's got this party, he throws it, and he go. He also goes in for two, not one, but two kisses. Yes, with Debbie. What the hell? Did you expect that? I didn't expect it in that way. I, th- I, I, I would have thought that he would have, they would have developed a little bit more of, of whatever they were developing, which I think was just a really cool like kind of banter because I really liked their interactions earlier in the episode. And mm-hmm. um, he really feels connected to Debbie because she's one of the only ones that kind of knows his full situation. And under, now they're friends. And the fact that he was, was starting to feel, I guess, where he could do that and like thought, I guess, read Debbie wrong, which obviously he did. That was kind of very cringy because I felt bad for him because he got rejected not once but twice. Debbie hasn't even processed that because no. she's like, you made it weird. Let me just go away. And then that whole Fabiola thing happened. So that's also going to be something to look forward to in the in the last two episodes mm-hmm. because I wonder if it's going to come into play again, which I think it has to. Oh, of course. Whether Ben asked her like, oh, let's just kind of be friends. Like, just can we forget about it? Or if he wants to pursue something. It's going to be it's going to be Team Ben or Team Pax and Watch. We're going to have to end up like that at the end of this show. I bet Which, you. I don't know. If you had to pick one, what would, who would you pick? Oddly, you're going to be like, what? But I'm kind of Team Ben because I see that they both need each other in se- serious ways. Just because he is dealing with such bad abandonment issues of growing up and being alone. And she's dealing with this you know the grief of her her father dying they need each other more than her and paxton 
That's my opinion. I don't know about you. I can see that. But I also think that Paxton is Mr. We haven't seen all the depth that he has, especially with his sister and how protective he is of her. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a little bit more that we haven't seen. Okay. Like he's been developing into a really well-rounded character, not just the hot jock. I don't know. I, I think it's not just going to be one note with Paxton okay. and, and Debbie. I think it could go either way like because I think Ben has a lot of good qualities that I think Debbie needs and they have that cool little the little witty banter and like that can lead to kind of romantic tension and right. all that. But it seems at this point though Debbie kind of needs to go with Paxton. But he, she needs to go fulfill that fantasy I think and see how that plays out and maybe if we get a season two the Ben could creep back in. Yeah, but Ben is the type of guy that, how do you know he's going to be around after all that? Who knows if he would even like wait around? He's too, um, he's kind of full of him. I mean, full of himself, but then that's, that could just be like a cover for what he really feels, you know? He doesn't tell his parents the truth of how he really feels. I feel like he puts on the facade very well. He's obviously going to feel devastated when he hears about Paxton and Debbie's kiss and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he'll try to compete because he's also a competitor. Uh-huh. I mean, like a you know a, a big like he wants to be number one. So it could be something. I where bet you it that's exactly what it. Goal. Yep, I bet you that's exactly what it is. He's gonna be like, oh, okay, game on. Let's do this. Like, let me roll up my sleeves. Let me let me let me break up with Shira and let me go for her watch. I bet you that that'll probably happen. Yeah, I would like to see that more so than. Him just being sad and yeah, I know we're tired of that, Ben. Right? We want you, Ben. We need you to step up. We need you to be a little stronger. Come on, come on. There's also this whole layer of moms in these two episodes that come out, and I'm interested to kind of jump into what I wrote down is three types of moms. Okay, there's the PTA mom, Fabby. I said like that, Fabby. Fabby's mom. <laughs> I like that nickname for it. Fabiola's mom. The best friend mom, who's Eleanor's mom. And then you got Davy's mom, who's the working professional mom. Okay. So those are the three that I kind of wrote. And it was very interesting to see how they wove those three types in one scene for the bake sale. It was super cool and not where you're pointing your fingers at like this mom's better than this mom or this mom is better than this mom. They all had their own issues. It was just normal, which is what I feel like I see on a daily basis with moms all the time. Did you see that or am I like crazy? No, I think it was a really good scene, you know, done by the the writer's room um, because it was able to kind of give us context to the relationship of the mom's history with, you know, what they, the backstory, when they put them all three together, you really, it really showed what kind of mom Debbie's mom is, what kind of mom Fabiola's Mm -hmm. mom, and then what kind of mom Eleanor is. So them going against each other really kind of highlighted their, you know, their characteristics. So that was, that was a really fun scene. It was one of my favorites. And you mentioned all those three types of moms. So Mm -hmm. did, do you, I knew you were going to ask it. Yeah. Well, actually I'm going to ask you two questions. So, who would you describe, you know, as closest to your mom? And also, what kind of mom are you? Oh, okay. That's a good one. I didn't think... Okay. So, for my mom, I would definitely say the working professional mom was mine. Because she's been... She was working from day one, you know? She was always on the go. Still working. And for myself, I would say that I am... I'm a mix of the PTA mom and the working professional mom with more emphasis on the working professional part and less on the PTA because I do not make ham homemade things. 
and you you got to get a store bought for me. That's what you go get. That's what you get. So yeah, it was very funny to kind of see that because I was like, man, you see, I see all of these archetypes every day and you just, you know, people pass judgment all the time. If you are not that quintessential, I, I call it PTA mom, but you could really interchange that for like Pinterest mom or whatever, where you, they're just, you know, you're, where people think this is like the perfect type of mom. They make everything by hand. They have dinner on the table every day and it's, you know, there's no fast food and there's always home cooked meals and they're at every single game or every single, you know, band concert or whatever you've got, you know, and then you've got the moms that are like, well, I'm working outside the house. I'm trying to make as much as I can. I'm not going to be able to come to every school party. I'm I'm here. I'm going to be able to support you with whatever you need and do whatever I can. And then you've got the the BFF mom, which is like, I just want to be your best friend. You know, tell me everything. I'll just, I'm, I'm your best friend. I'm not going to be the one who actually disciplines you, but you know, you can tell me all your stuff. So there's always pros and cons to all types of these archetypes, if we're just going to settle on just those three. So I always think that it's so interesting to see it on television, how it plays out, especially in a one that's about teenage life (laughs) yeah it's really it's really cool that we've seen three different interactions with mom and daughters because I think there definitely needs to be more of that on screen because we've definitely got it's either your caddy with your mom or your your yeah like you mentioned your good friends or I feel like we haven't got a good representation of how it really is and I feel like this show at least one of its definitely stronger points is that it's showing different relationships uh, between mothers and daughters it's been really cool to see and that. the fact that Davy constantly lies to her mom it's like <laughs> yeah it's so true does she ever tell the truth like honestly i was like this poor woman literally i don't know how you feel about this but like in so many of those teen shows especially the ones i grew up watching like dawson's creek and Ooh, the oc yeah. or whatever they would tell their moms everything and then or their their parents everything and i was like who does like you know oh i thought that too solution and i was like I don't tell them anything. I know. Like, am I just like not evolved enough or whatever? And so it makes sense that now, you know, this kind of show is showing like, yeah, you really just lie to your parents like 95% of the time. I mean, and I, and I was a good kid and I'm sure you were too, but like for me, I was like yeah. a really good kid. And yet I did lie a lot. I still feel like I looked at those shows, like you said, and I thought, I'm never saying, like, I would never just be like, mom, let's talk about sex. You know, like what? Yeah. <laughs> what no it gave me a very skewed version of like i thought like that's what happens and i was just like oh it's just not true for at least in my case you know i'm sure that's some people's relationships with their parents i'm sure mine no yeah the way that nalini looked at her she was like you are not to have sexual relations with any boy ever even if you're you know just like thinking about it or like making jokes or whatever i forgot the line I was like, that's exactly the, that's exactly what I would have gotten. You are not to ever think or do or try any of this, period. I'm going to stare at you as I walk away. <laughs> yeah. Debbie's mom is, is more like my mom. She was a working professional. Yes. So she was a, te- she was a teacher. She came home tired. She was just kind Absolutely. of boot, bootstrap dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and then she would also be like, make sure you're not doing this, this, and this, and you, you're going to do what I say because I know better. Yeah. Know, not in a bad way, but that's what they, that's, they don't have enough time to kind of like, you know, be the more of the PTA mom who has more time to really like make sure that, you know, Fabiola is taking the French because it's better. Right. And, you know, like that kind of things. And see, that's why I feel like I'm a little bit of that too, because 
I have a, I have a job, but it's part-time job. It's it, you know, I'm a fitness instructor. So I have the, the, the freedom to kind of make my own schedule, but I'm also there most of the school day. So I can go to all the, the elementary school parties. I can volunteer when I need to, I can drop off my kids binder when she forgets it, that kind of thing. So it's like where my mom would never have done any of those things. She's, she was like at work 7am all the way to 6pm and that's it. I didn't see her, you know, I didn't talk to her. We didn't have cell phones, nothing. So it wasn't like I communicated with her. I'd let myself into the house with my key after school. So that's why I say I'm like a little bit of that. And then I'm a little bit of the professional as well, too, because it's it's a I, th- I think you got to kind of meld yourself into what works for you and and kind of find your find your niche and just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. There's now um, your the ability to be a little bit of everything and you're not mm-hmm. supposed to just be this one. Perfect Absolutely. Type of mom. Yeah. yeah. It's not fair. I don't think it's fair to just to think that we should be one thing. No, we should never be one thing and anything that we do. I mean, we're always evolving as humans, as women, you know, and I feel like that's important. Well, I guess that's a good segue to the revelation of Fabiola and her finally coming out to her mom. Oh, yeah. And how that whole thing played out. What did you think about the reveal? And were you kind of anxious when you were watching that and like how her mom was going to react? Or were you pretty sure that she was going to, you know, be the way she ended up being, which was very um, supportive? Well, I'm glad that she was super supportive. I think it made more sense the way that it kind of came out because a lot of times when people are coming out to their to their parents that I've witnessed or I've seen or I've talked to people that have done this it's not this big deal where it's like everybody sits down and there's an announcement and all this kind of thing like she tried to do right it's more of a it just kind of slipped out one day it just worked itself into the conversation and it was just the right time and i think for her it was the right time it came out even though she was kind of pushed into it because of what happened with Eleanor's mom. But in that way, it just kind of happened. And I was super shocked that her mom was that supportive because she'd kind of built it up that she was so about boys, boys, boys with her, you know? Yeah. And I think she was boys, 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 because she didn't realize, you know, what was going on. And I think maybe hopefully she'll be like girls, girls, girls. (laughs) I also appreciated the fact that her mom also said, I don't know what to say this is how I feel about you. So it's not, it wasn't some perfect speech of no. like, she had all the right answers with that. She knew that it wasn't that she wasn't going to accept it. It's just like, Oh, I didn't realize that's what you were going for. Wanted to make sure that she told Fabiola, like, I love you. I, you know, this is just another thing we'll get through together. I'm so sorry that you, it was hard for you to talk to me. And so I like that they really emphasized that and that she didn't have the right, you know, she didn't have answers, but she had the right answers that, is all that Fabiola wanted to hear is just be like, have a supportive mom and know that it was going to be okay. So that was very sweet. Well, and she was saying that, you know, I'm just processing it. Like I'm still just processing it, which is a normal way to react. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Can't expect her to be like, have all the answers and uh, be able to talk to her about whatever without actually processing. Yeah. So that was very like an acknowledgement of, Hey, I don't under, I don't, I don't fully know what what my reaction is right now, Mm -hmm. but I do know this, this, and this, which is basically, I love you. So that was really sweet. I think to see on screen. Super sweet. Yay for her. (laughs) You're like, 
Fabby's mom. Yeah, she's cool. And the I guess the dad and the brother will probably, I doubt we'll ever, seems like they were yeah, probably. Yeah, this show is very much female empowerment. And if you think oh, about it. Oh, that's true. Like the, yeah, I didn't think about the, that. If you think about it, it's very female fronted, which is awesome. Uh-huh. And I think all the male characters. Um, Take a backseat. Yeah. And they're the ones that are more sensitive. Like it's, it's just being a play on, I think, the tropes that we've seen before and flipping those, which is pretty cool like now that we're eight episodes in it's very clear like that's what they've gone for like ben is the more sensitive depressed lonely one paxton has turned out to be more of you know he's not just a hot jock but he is still kind of the not what we're usually used to seeing in terms of like that love interest and then all the other female characters are so you know well-rounded and have depth and that's usually what the male characters have so i think it's very on purpose of course because it's mindy absolutely it's something that's very refreshing too. That is something that when you just said that, wow, that just like, like explosion. You hit it right on the nail. I love it. Yeah. I just realized that after seeing eight episodes of it, because <laughs> like, duh, I mean, it was, it was happening in front of my eyes, but then I realized like, Hey, all these male characters are kind of on the back burner. All these issues that are more, that are always related to the female characters on shows. And then all the female characters on the, on the show are having the things that usually are related to the male characters on shows. So basically slapping gender bias right in the face. Yeah. So it's very nice to see because we are like, (laughs) it's just hasn't been represented on screen authentically. So I love that. That's so true. I think after these two episodes, we have two more left. We are very interested to see where we're going to go with Davy and her antics. Is that what we'd call it? Cat antics? Yeah. Shenanigans. (laughs) Shenanigans. I mean, I think the way we left off on eight, eight yeah is a little worrisome just because i think De- debbie has still not realized the error of her ways but she did get slapped with the haunting memory of her dad that she hasn't dealt with so i feel like that maybe will spur on some hopefully more enlightenment and hopefully some like dealing with her grief because she definitely right. needs to deal with the grief she's got to go back to dr nisi nash she's got to go back yes and I, I love that that's what we're gonna call her we're just calling I'm... her dr nisi nash i know she has a real <laughs> real doctor a real name her character is uh dr ryan is her name mm-hmm. so let's remember that <laughs> dr ryan she better go back to dr ryan because yes. that's who's really gonna help her and especially with this cliffhanger of her seeing her dad in the house i think she's gonna need her more than ever i agree i think it was it's it's funny that or it's interesting that at one of the happiest moments that she didn't see coming, which is the kiss with Paxton, then she has like the complete opposite, which is that very like, I'm sure she has like that ugly butterfly feeling mm-hmm. of like, you know, of the, what is it called? The repressed feelings of grief that she hasn't dealt right. with. Happiest moment. And then it became gut wrenching again because it's just sneakily there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ups and downs of our show. It's like a roller coaster. Yes. All right. Well, we are excited to jump into the last two episodes with you guys. Hopefully you are tuning in and loving the show and loving the podcast. We got one more coming up for you. Join us again. I'm Aisha with Pod Clubhouse. And I'm Kat with Shuffle Online. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.